We're back at it. Hey, listen up. You are in the club, powered by Club Colors. I'm here with my guy G today. Say hi, G. What's up? We live, baby. We are live in studio. We are so excited today. By the way, if you don't know who Club Colors is, let us tell you who Club Colors is. We are a full-service brand management firm. Literally anything you can think of that you want to put a logo on it, we can source it. We can kit it. We can decorate it. We can ship it from concept to doorstep. All-in-one solution. We got you covered. But it's not about us today. It's about our fantastic guest. We did a TikTok. We did a TikTok, G. It was fun. It was about Christina Brady. Christina Brady is the Chief Strategy Officer for Sales Assembly. And if you don't know who they are, get with it, people. Get on board by now. You have to check them out. And Christina Brady is a wealth of knowledge. Christina, thank you for coming in. Welcome to the show. Oh, my God. Thank you. I feel like I'm participating in a concert, and I want to be the star of it. Well, wait until the fireworks show at the end. It just gets amazing. It's kind of like our own version, you know, of like uh, La La Palooza, but less, you know, talent. And people. And people. There's a lot less people. Yeah, last time I went, I got trampled, so no thanks. So let me tell you a little bit about Christina. First off, uh, as I mentioned, she is the chief strategy officer for uh, Sales Assembly. And we will get into what that means because that means you are at every meeting, involved in everything that is going on before it happens, while it's happening, and after it happens, which is fantastic. I want to know about that. But let me just read a little bit about the bio. Uh, With 15 years of overall sales experience and 10 plus in leadership for B2B tech companies. Christina has a proven, proven track record of leading organizations to growth and profitability through creative, strategic, and targeted global and domestic sales. You are all over the place. That is fantastic. She has a genuine passion for building culture, as do we, coaching and developing leaders, and producing top performing sales teams. That's what Sales Assembly is all about. Across small to enterprise organizations in various industries, Christina uses her experience to impact and support B2B tech organizations across the USA in her role as the executive, as an executive team at at Sales Assembly, where she is additionally building out new programs and participating in ongoing public speaking, speaking engagements, getting on podcasts, and on a daily basis, she is energized by the opportunity to help companies of all scale to scale or at scale. Wow. I can't believe it. I don't know. That, that's pretty good bio. That's, that's pretty good bio. By the way, if you don't know, she's also the host of Taking the Lead, powered by Motion.io. And she's in the club today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my God, I'm in the club. I've never heard my bio read out loud like that. Ah, uh, yes. This is John Morris, host of In the Club, powered by Club Colors. I am so excited today to talk to you about our sponsor for this episode, SalesCast. SalesCast is the operating system for the B2B podcasting community of sales, marketing, and revenue professionals. They have an inclusive online community, courses, tutorials, events, guest matching, and even world-class managed production services. Their mission is to connect 100 million sellers to the power of story. Thanks again, SalesCast. Enjoy the show. You know what's cool is I was actually just guest on a podcast and he read the bio and I went, wow, I've never heard such an arrogant paragraph in my life. And I wrote the darn thing. It's like, what in the world did I just write? I got smaller in my seat. I know. It's like, oh no, I have to live up to that. But you know, it's always better when somebody else reads it. So I wanted to ask you, you know, you, you had mentioned in your bio culture, culture is very important to you. So just give us an understanding of what is the best type of sales culture that you could possibly have. Uh, a diverse and inclusive one. Um, and I mean of, of, of all things. So the thing to remember about salespeople is they are human beings. The strongest sales teams in the entire world are a culture of embracing the expertise of every single person, role agnostic. So if you hire somebody, 
they're an expert at something, and that expertise comes from their background and their race and their beliefs and their orientation and the skills that they bring with them. And so for me, it's this inclusive culture of making everybody realize you're an expert in something, you are non-expendable, and everyone in this room can learn something from you, and you're going to help a lot of people. If every person wakes up feeling like that, you have a happy team. Happy teams produce. That is such a phenomenal brand mission as well. Right. We're seeing more and more organizations out there really want to lead with that type of purpose, which is fantastic, not only for the greater good of society, but it's fantastic from the standpoint of creating an organization where people can really feel comfortable in their own skin. Right. And I don't know about you guys, but I've always felt like, you know, um, intimidation, which was a huge factor in sales for a long time. People managed by intimidation, managed by kind of cracking the whip and you got to hit the numbers and these types of things. I don't know. There's this kind of new thing that is happening in society, which I feel is fantastic. Not only the inclusiveness, but managing through sweetness, right? Through, through making people feel more comfortable in their skin and kind of driving that. How does sales assembly put that together? And is that part of kind of your, your process in your service? Part of, part of our mission is to sort of lead the way and show tech companies through a combination of our own expertise, but also highlight what our members and the members in the Sales Assembly Network are doing that is amazing so others can follow suit. So when we see something that's incredible, we say something and we tell everyone else, hey, look what they're doing. This is amazing. And what you're talking about, I usually identify that as, I call it ivory tower syndrome. Where mm-hmm. It's this idea that you know, companies are shaped usually like a triangle, you know, and there's the people at the very top and they're the smartest and they're the ones who mm-hmm. know everything and everyone needs to bow down to them. And the further down the triangle, uh, the less important that you feel to the overall mission and the less you feel like you can speak up and the less you feel like you can be yourself. And so to me, it's, it's get rid of the triangle, make it a circle. Right? Yes. And so then you have everyone who is just coming to work every day in their role and how their role contributes, but nobody is more important than somebody else because of the role that they're given. I actually do a lot of role-based psychology talking and thinking, and it's, it's wild when you dig into Psychology it. is so important to strategy because at the end of the day, a strategy does not work unless people adopt the strategy, implement yeah. the strategy, and with full force and momentum, yeah. decide to execute the, the strategy. So talk to us a little bit about how you use psychology in order to get that implementation to be effective. Well, you have to talk to people like they're people and you have to understand that when somebody is given a role, it's unbelievably powerful. And if you don't understand how to wield that power, it can go very, very wrong. So one of the studies that I often reference, which is it's a little weird, but if you've heard of the Stanford prison experiment, Right. This is a phenomenal study on what happens when you assign a role and how it actually impacts your psyche and your behavior and how you either gain or give away power just by the role that you're given. So interesting. If you're not familiar with the study, essentially Stanford wanted to see if we took a series of people and we told half of them your prisoners and the other half of them your security guards and just have them act out this role play. And within a couple of days, Um, it got ridiculous to the point where the folks who were the security guards started acting in a certain way, almost abusively toward the inmates. Wow. Inmates, the inmates started to like try to escape the prison and it it got so unbelievably real and abusive. They had to shut it down. And it's one of the most powerful psychological experiments in the world where suddenly when you told one person you're a guard and another person, you're a criminal, you're behind bars and they took on those roles, they almost forgot who they were outside of that and started acting as if they never had. I mean, when I say abuse, it's, it's crazy. You should look into it. But what I learned from something like that is you get into a company and it's now I'm the CEO or I'm the VP or I'm a BDR or I'm account executive. And if the company doesn't respect that role for the expertise that that human being has, things can go sour really, really quickly. And you start to treat your quote unquote lower level teams um, like they're machines and like they're expendable and like they're replaceable. And so a lot of the psychological work that I do when I'm working with companies is training on one, how do you communicate with each other? How do you maintain respect? What is the importance of every role in your organization? And how do you make sure they know about it? That is such the key because, you know, if somebody understands their why in the greater picture, right, then your role is no longer process driven, right? 
Obviously, we all have to follow process within our organization to meet, you know, standards of performance and activity measures and all those different things. But if an SDR just believes that their role is go get us leads, mm-hmm. right, um, then their quality of that is going to slip significantly because they're going to do what you've set for them. Well, OK, well, I'll just go get you leads, not qualified leads, not clients that have an understanding, not in your sweet spot of of client and not understanding how that handoff should happen to the next step, to the next step, because they play a bigger role in the greater good of the organization. So that why, that explanation is so important. I, I love that analogy. Is it, it, Could you break down a little bit of, um, talk to us like we're six years old, right? Okay. <laughs> okay Which some would down. say my IQ is almost two. But talk to us like we're six years old in your explanation of sales assembly and the impact that you are having for organizations. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, so sales assembly, we're a membership based platform for scaling B2B tech companies. Okay. So that was like the eight year old version. Okay. So if we break that down on a company level, when a company joins sales assembly, every employee in their organization gets unlimited access to everything that we offer from training, development, certifications, hiring, ramping, advisory strategy, community, all in one for every single role. Very much scaling focused, right? Exactly. How to scale in a controlled, sustainable fashion yeah. in order to maximize your cash position, utilization of your finance, yes. right? All of those things. So it's it's how to scale and make sure that every investment you make, hiring a person, right. that they're getting up to speed and effective quickly, right? Yeah, we do exactly what you just said, but honed down by the individual person. So if your company joins sales assembly, it's not like, oh, it's, you know, the company's using it. It's no, I get full access to a resource that's going to help me either master my current role, whether I'm a BDR or a marketer or an enablement professional or a CEO. I'm going to either master my role if that's what I need, or I'm going to use sales assembly to prepare me for advancement. And we frame that based on what role you are and what content and support you need. So it's, it's honed Great. down. To the so it's a, it's a, it's a structure mm-hmm. that is customizable yeah. with bolt-ons yep. depending upon the, the group size of company industry you can bolt on the resources. Exactly. It's a buffet. Some companies have every dish. Other who doesn't companies like a buffet? Like, look who at, doesn't? Look and other companies are like, yo, we love the mashed potatoes. And like the difference is like, you know, a large company. So some of our giant members, like the LinkedIn's and the Groupons of the world, they're not using every single resource because they have a lot of resources. Yeah. So they're coming in. They're like potatoes, mac and cheese all day. Fill in the gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fill in the gaps. But then there's some companies, pre-seed, seed companies who don't have a lot of infrastructure who are like, we're going to sample every dish. So they're it's almost right. utilizing you as, let's say, a chief sales officer, right? Right through platform until they can scale enough to hire that person or create career path to drive somebody into that role. So you're filling that through technology and the staff that you have that supports that. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Christina, so what, that's, that's the, uh, the, the six-year-old version, right? So let's try the 26-year-old. Uh-oh. Version. Uh-oh. Um, now you're so bragging. Over the past year and a half, <laughs> I've got in. <laughs> I'm also 26. No. Oh, really? No, I just stopped aging at 29. Cheers. Congratulations. Yeah, I just, I just keep turning. Now, is that part of the sales assembly package, the uh, anti-aging package? <laughs> I just is that the premium package? Yeah, so I'm like 29 it's SPF. Like the <laughs> time. Who's counting? So yeah, we're the same age. Go ahead. Amen. I'm glad you guys could relate on that level like that. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten very fortunate, very lucky over the the past year and a half. Um, I think it's a combination of the the brand that Club Colors has built in the marketplace and a lot of the inbound opportunity that's coming in. And so I've been fortunate enough to be um, receiving a role where I am heading up our development level team. And um, actually, big shout out to Willie and Autumn, who are here in the studio yes, with us today. Welcome. Um, they're on day three of training. They're doing awesome and I'm super excited for their futures with us and everything that they'll uh, be doing with the team. My question is, so earlier this week when I walked through the org chart, and that's why this resonated with me, was just talking through the different leaders in the organization and helping them understand that this is just for you to see who is working where and who is your expert in terms of what they do in the organization. But everybody in this org chart is here to support you, to help guide you and to help collaborate in your current role. Right. And that's my commitment to them. 
but I'm very young and again, very fortunate in my role. So what are some actionable things that sales assembly is helping these individuals do to actually functionally support um, those development roles and those early roles in the business so that they feel that way. And um, like you said, they're just not burning out that development level and, and really allowing the, the rest of the organization to live and breathe that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the question. The biggest challenge that you have or that any leader of any org has is there's two ways that you need to make sure that your people are prepared to do the job. One is foundational skill-based training, i.e. agnostic of my product and agnostic of my process. Do I know what is required of this role to be successful? And that's what you take with you, right? That is your suitcase of skills that anywhere you go, you say, I have this foundational knowledge. And now when I get to the company, I'm going to plug that in, right? I'm going to plug in your product. I'm going to plug in your process and build on top of it. When you're a leader and you have a newer team, you have to determine where do I focus my time? Do I teach you how to sell in general? Do I teach you the foundations or do I spend my time teaching you our product? Because you're one person, right? You can't do both. And let's say you have a team of five people, three of them need foundational skill-based training. So they're not even ready to take on your product. They're like, how do I sell? And you're like, I got to start there. The other half are seasoned sellers, right? They're like, I know how to sell. I have foundation. Teach me the ins and outs of the products and the tools Mm -hmm. that you're using. As their leader, you have to determine where you spend your time. That's where we can kind of help come in. So what sales assembly does is we focus hardcore on the foundational skill-based aspect of agnostically, what do you need to know to be good in this role? So that people like yourself who are leading the teams can say, I know my teams are getting the foundation that they need. I'm going to put our product and process on top of that. So it allows you to do kind of a one-two punch to cover both of them. Now, when you don't have a resource like that, you have decisions that you have to make and you have to actually map out for yourself what training do I need to provide to who and when? And it might come down to, you know what, I'm going to teach everybody everything and I'm going to start with foundations because you can never you can never understand foundations enough. If you have to decide between the two, always pick building the foundation first. Otherwise, you have a roof on no house. Mm-hmm. So the seasoned salespeople who say I've been selling for five, 10 years, guarantee they have bad habits. So your job is to say, I'm going to ask you to go back to your foundations and be with me and participate Let's get everybody on the same page. So I know as a leader, every person in my org has had the same foundational training. Now I can be effective and build on top of that. So you're not trying to teach one person one thing, another person another thing. You don't know where they're at. You don't know where they're scaling. One person's performing. One person's not. You can get lost really, really easily. So don't divide and conquer. Get everybody on the same page. Get everybody the same starting line and then start the race from there. And then divide and conquer, right? Okay. It's 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 a race you're all running together until it becomes a baton race, mm. right? But it's like until you can say for sure, I know that every person in my org has the same skill set because I fed that to them. It's going to be hard for you to pick when something goes wrong where to fix it because you're not ingrained with what they've learned before. Where do you start? So if anything, it's we're going to build a base. We're going to build a foundation. We're all on the same page. Now I know how to pile on top of that. And now when something goes wrong, I know where to pinpoint and fix it because I know the training that you've had. What I love about that is when you hire, let's say, an entry-level salesperson, there's multiple levels of entry-level, right? There's somebody directly out of college that may have had an accounting degree and but has sales pedigree and their personality type measurement actually says they should be in sales based on their type A kind of personality. And they've got some attention to detail on those types of things, but they literally don't know any of the science of selling. Right. 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 And then you've got somebody else who's entry level who sold for two years at some place else. Right. Mm -hmm. They're still in that entry level, but they understand how to create a hook, right. How to earn the right to get to presentation, how to ask for the order, how to ask questions, but they might not know how to do it within your product, within your um, your service, whatever it might be. They don't know how to do that. And by the way, maybe the way they were trained before was wrong or it was not very strong. So I love that, that you're bringing everyone in at the same finish starting line, mm-hmm. right? And then let's start the race and see where you jump to. Yeah. And then now I know, based on the data, the information, who, who needs more product knowledge? Who needs to focus more on presentation skills? Whose tonality and body language is wrong? Who needs just the, the brass tacks of the science of selling? So you're customizing the approach, which is such a time saver, G. I mean, think about that. If you're trying to teach somebody something they already know, we're probably turning them off at that point, maybe holding them back from moving forward. Yeah. And you're taking your time away from somebody who actually needs that thing that you're talking about at that moment. Right? Exactly. 
I love this. I love it. Show's over. Thanks so much for coming in, Christine. This was fun. This was fun. <laughs> Mic drop. That was amazing. What a fantastic answer. If you're listening to this, rewind that and listen to it again. Not my part, but Christina's. That was absolutely brilliant. Christina, I'm curious. Tell us a little bit about the people at Sales Assembly. I see a lot of uh, content creation. I see a lot of wisdom. I see some fun um, that is happening there. I see a lot of that. So just kind of... Let's do some name dropping. Who are some of the superstars? I know you've got some new hires in marketing and you're focused on bringing in a a VP of sales or a chief sales officer or something like that. So there's some big things happening. But let's yeah. get, let us know who this team is a little bit. Oh my gosh. The, we, we're up to 13 or 14 now. And on the spot, if I try to name everybody, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to screw it up and then someone's going to be left out and be rightfully mad at me. But first thing that I will say is, um, you know, when I found myself with the opportunity to find a new role because of COVID, um, you know, I, I had options because I realized very quickly my network was strong. And as I was talking to a lot of leaders, uh, the co-founders of Sales Assembly um, are really, really incredible and passionate and humble. And they breed a culture of respect for each other first. Um, and, you know, both of them are parents and they care about things like work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And I can be honest with them. And they're really looking to not just make a, make a ripple, but make a really useful wave in this industry. Yeah. So, you know, Matt and Jeff are, are the co-founders and they're really the reason that I chose to kind of take this jump and, and come here and do this. And the team that we've hired, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not just saying this, the, the talent that we have been lucky enough to secure from, you know, Laura and Georgie, who are running the MX team, to Luke, who is one of our new hires, who is handling marketing. My God, our president, um, Brad Rosen, who built the revenue operations. Who has an amazing uh, profile pick, too. I think he's the one with the, he's got the tie. No, that's Matt Green. That's That's Matt Green. He's doing the tie thing. I was like, you know, I got to get my, I got to get my game up, man. He's got a tie on. He's pinching the, the. The knot, right? Looks I mean, like he's wearing his dad's. Right. To- <laughs> <laughs> That's Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like a child. Um, but I swear he's a full-grown man. Um, yeah, you know, that's that's Matt. And he, I mean, unbelievably kind, phenomenal relationship builder. Very, very humble, both of them. Um, but Brad, is he's the one, he built the revenue operations function at G2 from the ground up. He wow. started when it was three people at G2 to now it's a multi-billion dollar unicorn. And the process he built, they're still using. I love it. it and for, us for perspective, yeah. Sales Assembly has been around for how long now? Uh, about five years. Five years. And 100% year over year growth the last two years. That's right. Okay. So when, yeah. when people are like 13 employees, like what's their capability? Okay. This company is scaling fast with unbelievably talented people yeah. um, that have come from other powerhouse organizations to assemble. See how I did that, G? <laughs> Unite, assemble, okay. right? For this sales explosion and to be able yeah. to service companies. So what's the, what is like the next steps that you're seeing uh, from some of these exciting people, as you're watching this as the the chief strategist, the chief strategy officer, you're watching this build out. Like, what's getting you just fired up? You know, what's crazy is like I I hadn't joined a company this early yet, and I had always joined a company, even if it was early. Like, I joined Groupon pretty early. I joined Glassdoor pretty early. There was infrastructure. Yeah, so it was like I plugged in and I built with blocks that were already mm-hmm. there. Yeah, and then I come to sales and they're like, we don't have blocks. You had to build the block first. <laughs> like, it was like popsicle sticks and duct tape, right? They're like, you, yep. like we have, we have the concept, we have the product, which is unbelievably powerful. It's why I joined. But they were like, you have to think of the block, then you have to build the block, okay. you have to paint the block, and then you have to go build the thing with the block. What's the oh, sense of pride in that, though? Man, I mean, because you're, you're well, putting great. your footprint on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is going well. It's 100% growth year over year, yeah. so it's going pretty well. Yeah. But your footprint is all over this now. It is. So, it is. The, what's the conversation at home uh, or with family or with friends like? I mean, without being like arrogant, but professionally <laughs> proud, right? Like, um, what's that conversation like? We just did this, we just did this kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say that I'm. I want to use it responsibly because I have an opportunity I never thought that I would have, which is to change, change people's lives and do it either personally or professionally. And like, that's unbelievable. But yeah, I have certainly been in me personally put more uh, in the public eye more than I thought that I would be very, very quickly. Um, and that again is through co-founders like Matt and Jeff saying, you've got great ideas. You have product you want to build, go do it. 
And I'd never heard that before. Yes. Um, and then it I, was do I it, did. bring it to us. We'll check it. And then we'll tell you how to change five things. And then right. <laughs> it's kind of no longer what you came up with. It, it, exactly. Yeah. You know, and then, and then somebody else puts their name on it and mm-hmm. you're sitting going like, Oh, that was, that was me. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's different here. There's also then pressure that comes with that though. Right. Cause it's like, if I'm, if I'm launching it and it's me and I'm telling my co-founders who trust me, like, this is going to be good. It's going to be big. It's going to work you know, then it better. Um, cause all the eggs are in one basket. So it's been the evolution of do everything yourself. So go from concept of block to building to now, you know, instead of three, four people, we have 13 people. We have incredible people like Katie who leads and hosts all of our programs. We have Lissy who's running all of the admin on the back end. Like we have Jenna, who is our VP of growth, who is starting new conversations. Like we have amazing people that are finally starting to be able for me to say, okay, I have an idea. I see a gap that I want to fill. What if we did this? And now somebody like Alex, who's our head of enablement is like, I love that. I'm going to go help you build it. And I'm like, you are, (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean? Um, So it's, it's been good to be able to hire people who are brilliant that I can trust that take my idea and and make it better. So like the unegotistical, like unegotistical thing is, I say, like, I have this great idea. And then I hired brilliant people to say, I love that. You know, what would be better is this. And I go, that's the oh best. My God, you're right. Yes. You should go do that. <laughs> Get out of their way. Come in with a problem, leave with a project. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you said that. Now you okay. have to go do it. Wow. You sound, you really sound like the person who should do that. Yeah, That's report amazing. back to me how that goes. Let me know. And then, by the way, we'll talk about how I did that. <laughs> yeah, that was my idea. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> that was my idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so- you know, most companies, when they start up, they have a fantastic idea, fantastic technologies. That's something that they do. You have to have the thing that you do. Yeah. And then you bring in a bunch of generalists mm-hmm. that can start to kind of build out, okay, how do we get this? How do we get this? How far are you away from, or are you in the stage of specialist? Uh, we're there. You're there. I love it. We're so there. talk about these specialists that are coming in and what are they adding as it relates to value to your clients? I mean, the biggest thing is to your point, when people hear that we only have 12, 13 people internally, they're like, how? Because we have well over 200 member companies. And if you look at the fact that every individual at these companies is also, you know, a member with a license, it's well over 10,000 people who are a part of this that are being powered internally by this very small group of people. And so we often hear like, how, how are you managing all of that? And it comes down to operating the business very, very smoothly, but also saying we're not just a sales resource. We're an entire go-to-market resource. We can't do that if we don't hire somebody who comes from the world of B2B tech marketing to come in and be that subject matter expert and say, okay, you guys have done really great so far. Like I remember you know, two, two years ago when I first joined, we were like, we want to we wanna build out a certification program that's not just fluff. We want to build it out so that when somebody says, I've been certified with Sales Assemblies program, you're going to go see it in my number. I was like, I hate fluff. Mm-hmm. We were like, all right, well, we got to build it for everybody. And I was like, all right, well, I got sales, CS, leadership. Like I was like, I got all these. And then we were like, all right, what about marketing? And I was like, that's not my uh, thing. <laughs> like, listen, I've worked with marketers. Yeah. Um, you know, so then it would come from me being like, okay, I want to build something meaningful. Let me pull the marketers in the network to figure out what yeah. would be great for them and like kind of take a guess at it. Isn't that an amazing idea of, of talking to the people that are in that, that are the experts that will use the product and finding out how would you like this built out? Yeah, Brilliant. they all disagree with each other. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> so where, like, it's like, I want feedback. And then I get feedback. I was like, I don't want That feedback. wasn't what I wanted. No, tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. Um, so, and that, you know, that takes time though. And that takes effort. And then it's like, we're, we're talking to people and they're coming back to us and it's iteration. And is, is it going to be good? Well, now we just hired Luke, who's going to come in. And he's like, I have been a marketer for yeah. 20 years in B2B tech. I can go build that. Like I, I could build it for someone like me. And we're like, yes, you're our, you're our marketing specialist. And we have Georgie, she's our MX specialist. So we're starting to hire these people who can go do that and help us yeah. move faster. And the cool thing is like, like uh, Luke, you said, Luke, yeah. Yeah? yeah. So he gets to come in and customize something, right? Right. With the, his stamp on it and then bring other people in to essentially add to it uh, and maneuver within it and utilize it and then get that message out. And it, th- I just think that this, this whole thing you have going over the last five years, this whole buildup is just fascinating because what's more exciting than watching a company go from start and just watching them, uh, their maturation process and just adding talent and to watch that whole brand story be built. Yeah. So what is the, speaking of brand story, what's the brand story that you and Jeff and team really want to get out to folks? Like, 
if people are like, okay, so I kind of understand what they do and what your product or service is, that's fantastic, right? That's, that's that marketing push. But from a branding standpoint, like what is the brand story? What's the, what's the greater purpose? What's the thing that you want people to kind of latch onto and go, Ooh, that makes me feel good. I want to be part of that. Yeah, it's, it's this idea of revolutionizing the tech industry by highlighting the expertise that doesn't always get the stage, right? Like the brilliance that we need to fundamentally change this industry for the better in the past has often, you know, been hidden behind cloak and dagger or the people who are brilliant just never have the stage to be able to share that. Or there's been incredible products at companies that truly could change the world and have a great purpose, but didn't have the support or the budget or the infrastructure they needed to make it. So they folded and they went away. And so there's this idea that we're in a position by using the community that we have and the platform we have to bring that forward when yeah. it hasn't been able to And to before. put other people up front. Yes. It's not, you know, for us, it's like, it's not, a, it's not about us. You know, like mm-hmm. even you mentioned my show, my show, I'm big about like, my show's not about me. My show's about my guest. And like, yeah. this is your moment to change the world. And mm-hmm. I really believe that. And it sounds like a pipe dream, but it's like, you do it one ripple at a time. And so it's that idea of revolution. And it's that idea. Again, I go back to this idea of, of diversity and just, there's incredible work being done that I think can can change lives and do some real real good, especially in this industry, the tech industry. I mean, there's magic here mm-hmm. um, if you lean into it. Yes. So we want to lean into it. It's only a pipe dream until it starts happening. Right. <laughs> so right. Then it's a pipe. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, what? Huh? <laughs> what is she saying? <laughs> what is she saying? Is she well, you haven't about? started the Australian accent, so you're still in the original personality that we talked about. I'm still me. We were talking at the beginning of the show. If she was like, hey, my voice is kind of raspy from going on a trip. <laughs> it might it might catch, and I might get my natural voice back. And I'm like, well, what if we just keep changing voices throughout the show? That'd be pretty interesting. It. Yeah, go back to my roots. I love it. So um, the, the, the group that you have right now is on this mission to grow. What is in your in your heart, what's your bigger purpose? Like what's driving you on a daily basis? Let's get a little personal. Like what makes you laugh? What makes you smile? What wells you up a little bit? Do we cry at commercials with doggies in them? Are we like a serious history buff? Like what kind of, you know, give us a little Christina Brady. Oh man, I'm an onion. I think, um, I mean, you know, for, for me, I had an interesting early on life. Um, and my mission is to make tough times worth it. And when I say Mm. it's like changing lives for people individually, you know, it's, I have to, I, I very early on, I lost both of my parents, uh, before I graduated college, I have a younger sister and an older sister. And when we lost both of them, um, you know, we wound up being homeless for a little while while I was in college. Like I've, I've slept in a train station. I've, I've, you know, I've stolen toilet paper before because I needed it. And it's, that wasn't very long and people have had it harder, but I just remember, um, I remember both of my parents having so much faith in me and my sisters and telling us you can do anything that you want to do. And the fact that they're not here to see me as an adult doing that, I have to make that worth something. Um, and so I often think about just life and looking back on it and the fact that you you live your life in these series of chapters. And if I'm going to come across somebody, I want that to be meaningful. Um, and I want them to think back and go, man, that time I spent with Christina, that was good time in my life. That helped me in, in some way um, because I need to make it worth it. I need to make the sacrifice worth it. And I have to leave a positive impact here because I owe it to the people who got me here to do that. And so that's what motivates me and inspires me. And I want to live my life and I want to give my son a family and I want to be here. I want to see him get to where I am. Like, that's the biggest thing is I tell my husband all the time, like, I'm going to do everything I can to be there when he graduates high school. My little sister parents weren't there when she graduated high school. I want to be there when he graduates college. I want to be there when he falls in love. I want to see him become a wonderful man. Like I, I'm, I, I'm going to be here for him. Um, and I'm going to be here for anybody who comes across my path. It's my personal drive. Wow. Um, that is just an absolutely, I'm touched by hearing that story. It's a fantastic story. <laughs> like I have a bit of a knot in my throat right now, but it's fantastic. <laughs> and the knot in my throat is not, um, the, the loss of the pain. I understand that loss and pain as well. So, um, I relate to you in that and I've, I feel that. The knot in my throat is more the fact that you're using it to supercharge a greater purpose. Yeah. So it's it's not something that is for not. Yeah. 
it's right. you're you're using it as fuel for a greater purpose. And I so admire your response there. It was just absolutely fantastic. Um, you are a special human being. Oh my god. You really are. Like nice. that really that was pretty cool. By the way, theft is not theft when you're trying to survive. That, I mean, listen. Right? I, like when you're trying to survive, that's a different <laughs> theft. You're stealing just because you're trying to add to your collection of of like electronics, that's different. You know, it's, it was a low point. I was working in, in retail and I was working a lot of hours and I just remembered thinking to myself, I, I don't have any toilet paper or paper products. And Good Lord. I, and I was seeing it on the shelf there and I, you know, I was making, you know, $7 an hour living in Chicago in a studio apartment myself and just drowning and trying to support my sister. And I saw it sitting there and I was like, I need toilet paper. And it's like, I, I mention it because I still am just like, it's, it's not who I am, but survival is a weird thing. And, but I remember, I remember what that feels like, right? Because it's like, um, there's a lot of people even today who are working in tech, who are in lower level positions and they feel the squeeze and they can't pay their bills mm-hmm. and they're not living the life they want to live. And no matter how high I quote unquote get, I'm never going to forget what that felt like. And if you work for me, you're not going to feel that. So mm. I've been there. So I could use that too. In the Club is powered by Club Colors. Club Colors is the premium marketing solution for all branded apparel and promotional products utilized to drive your brand awareness and brand success. From concept to doorstep, Club Colors can source over 9 million different product solutions, decorate your logo, create custom kitting solutions, manage all logistics, and build, manage, and curate your company online store. The full, comprehensive, all-in-one solution for your brand. Our brand promise is right solution, right place, right time. Allow Club Colors to create an inspiring brand experience for you and your team. Check us out at www.clubcolors.com. So something that is so important in sales, we talk about it here. We call it CC grit. Club Colors grit. We believe in grit. Like grit, to me, like grit as an athlete, right, is like that, you know, that doing that one thing that nobody else on that field wants to do, right? It's, it's, um playing to the whistle, right? Yeah. Just, just getting dirty. And grit could be on a grit could be on a golf course. It doesn't need to be a, uh, like a, a contact sport. It could be, you just double bogey to hole and now you're going to get gritty and you're going to cut the corner and you're going to go for Eagle. Cause you're going to make that up that there, there's all types of different grit grit in sales is such a tremendous quality. Tell us what your thoughts are in grit. Cause you just showed grit in life. Yeah. That's grit in life and grit in life will get you far. Grit and sales will do the same. Tell us what your thoughts are on grit. Man, grit and sales is approaching the job without the rosy colored glasses. You don't need the motivation on a good day. Like when you're hitting your target, things are going well. It's like it's already there. But I always think in the best times, what's going to get you out of bed on the hardest day? What's going to get you out of bed when you're not hitting your goal? What's going to get you out of bed when your team is underperforming? What's going to get you out of bed when you're feeling emotional, when your head's not in the game? And it's honestly turning that into a process, right? So it's always asking myself when I get really high up there and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to bottle this. And I, in some way, shape or form, are going to remember this moment because in two weeks when it flips and I'm having a really hard day and I just don't want to get up and I don't want to do it, what's going to get me out of bed to do that? And so grit and sales is knowing the job is going to be hard, knowing you're going to get beat up, knowing it's going to be a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like it ebbs and flows. It, Will the best sales reps in the world have missed a month, have yes. missed a quarter, me included. Mm-hmm. Um, it's knowing that that's coming, not pretending that it won't, but when it happens, you learn from it, right? Kids can't walk without falling down. They can't like they literally, that's why they're built low to the ground. Right. So they can knock their head and they're fine. <laughs> and they get up made of like titanium. Right. But it's the same thing where it's like, I'm expecting to fail, but I'm failing forward. That's sales grit is fail forward and learn something from it and don't let it happen like that again. That's how you grow. Absolutely love that. I I was taught at an early age, my father, he loved Ben Hogan, golfer, Ben Hogan, U S open champion. Ben Hogan was interviewed and he he had won the U S open again. And the interviewer said, you know, Hey Ben, what's the trick to being such a fantastic champion in golf? And he looked at the, you know, the reporters and he said, look, it's not how good your good shots are. It's how good your bad shots are. So I took that, that thought process, um, which my, I played golf like competitively in high school and all that. My dad would tell me that, like, remember, it's not how good you're good. And I took that when I got into the sales game and I went, okay, well, it's not how good I am on the good days. 
Those good days, man, if you know what you're doing and you're properly trained, which sales assembly could help you to do, when you're properly trained and you've got all the functions in place and you've got things going, your good days are expected. You expect them of yourself because we all expect to perform, right? Right. It's to your point. It's bottling up those good days and remembering because it's how good you are in your bad days that makes the difference. And that's how you control those ebbs and flows and you control the, the mindset. Yeah. Mindset is the hardest thing in sales. That's why there's such depression in sales. There's people that are suicide rates are high in sales. People quit a lot. There's high turnover. And it's because people don't know how to manage their mindset Yeah. Uh, to the point that you just talked about. To Earmuffs, manage guys. Earmuffs. Yeah. Well, uh, that's also a good reminder to treat salespeople well. I mean, look, treat everybody well, right? Like nobody in any role is below you. So if you're the kind of person that looks down on any role, whether that be a salesperson or a fast food worker or a CEO, it doesn't matter. Uh, treat people like people. But I also think it's a reminder that um, a lot of people think that because you're a salesperson, I have the right to treat you like you're less than a person. Mm-hmm. So salespeople have to be gritty because that happens. But listening to this and you treat salespeople poorly, stop it. Stop it. And to that point, if you're a salesperson, be professionally arrogant and don't take it. Have class, courtesy, and character, but don't take it. I personally love to buy from people that might on the corporate ladder, whatever, you know, if you put an org chart up, maybe their picture's below mine, but I like to buy them if they like to get at eye level with me and challenge me. I'd like to buy from those folks. I don't want folks that I give an idea to, they roll over and take it, right? Or they just drop clothes on price. Well, how much benefit did you actually have if you are so quick to just drop on price? Um, I like the folks that are going to be gritty and challenge me because then I go, okay, so when I'm wrong, you're going to tell me. Yeah. It's like, you know, your roommate, if you're about to go on a date with this fantastic person, you've asked them 12 times, they finally said yes, you come downstairs, you're all ready, and you tucked in your shirt, and like the bottom of the shirt is coming out of your zipper, right? A really good roommate's going to go, hey, you should fix that, not let you go on the date and look like a, a complete goofball, right? Yeah. So I think, in, I think when I'm dealing with a salesperson, I want them to go, I understand you're the client, but you're wrong. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. This is where you should go. And that's kind of a playback on grit as well. You got to have that grit to be professionally arrogant enough. Yeah. To to hold them accountable. Well, and learn how to tell people they're wrong too. Like that's an art. Cause I mean, to your point, there are certain people who can be like, well, with all due respect, that's that's wrong, and I'll tell you why. But yeah. you'll have certain people who communicate differently and learning how to challenge, learning how to tell somebody they're wrong without shutting them down and getting into a boxing match, right? What you talk about is that concept of like, adjust the crown, don't knock it down, right? So it's like- Ooh, you know, I like that. Ooh, yeah, that's so. good. Adjust the crown, don't knock it down. Yeah, you know? That's beautiful. So you're talking about framing. Yeah. So yeah. is tell us, a, what are some of your tricks to framing? I mean, framing comes down to communicate with people the way that you want to be communicated to. And so there's this idea, we go back to psychology, where in any sales conversation- In order for your buyer to buy, there's usually one person who's right and one person who's wrong. If you're the buyer and I'm the salesperson, I'm reaching out to you to tell you something that you may not know or sell you my product and tell you it's better than something else. And in order for you to agree that you want to buy my product, it means something is wrong at your company or the tool that you currently bought isn't working properly. Mm -hmm. So there's automatically this element of right and wrong. And And defense comes up. Defense comes up. I couldn't possibly be wrong, Christina. And most of the time, people can't get past that because ego and arrogance gets in the way because in the absence of knowledge, ego takes over, right? Mm -hmm. So it becomes, I'm going to think of everything else that I know that I'm an expert at and throw that in your face. And meanwhile, there's a solution sitting there like, does anybody want to talk about me? So a no doesn't mean no. It means I don't know enough. Yeah. Like that. Listen to that. Play that back. Cause right. Like it's a, like no. A, a, a no is not a no until it is right. Until you've earned the right to say, no, you talk about earn the right. There's earn the right to pitch, earn the right to say no. So for me, it comes down to, if I have to tell somebody that they're wrong, the first thing I need to do is make sure that person feels heard mm-hmm. so that I can actually respond to them. You can tell somebody they're wrong by saying, you know, there's another way to frame it if you're open to walking down that road with me. Let me know what you think of this, right? Oh, my gosh. There's another way to – so you flat out will say to them, yeah. there's another way to frame there's it. another way to frame this if you're willing to walk down that road with me. Right? In other words, I'm going to take this away, so you better come to me. Yeah. If you want to know it. Yeah. So if I naturally, if I'm a client now, you've just kind of set this – 
Like, do you, here's a bait. <laughs> Are you going to get it? Yeah. So there's, there's another way to frame this if you're yeah. open to knowing what that is. Yeah, there's another way to frame that if you're open to hearing about it. And I would love to hear your thoughts because I can't forget that your ego at this point is important. It's not judging the ego, but at this point in time, when I'm telling you you're wrong, I have to treat your ego like a puppy. Mm-hmm. And I have to make sure that you feel like you're a part of the decision process because you are. You're a smart individual. I'm not smarter than you because I'm selling you something. Yeah. So there's another way to frame this if you're willing to talk about it. And I also really want to know what you think, right? What I'm selling That's right beautiful. Now, now you're Now you're yeah. leading them to buy. Instead of selling them, you're guiding them to the answer. And by the way, if you can then have that kind of start to feel like it's their decision, right? Like, like they came up with the, so we're almost like collaborating now, Yeah. right? It's a collaborative and that's that shift, that psychological shift of right uh, across from each other is combative conflict, right? So that, that felt like to me, the way you frame that is come over here. You're on my side. Let's walk over here. And talk about, right? So now Absolutely. I'm your partner. Right. And and we're and we're on the same side of the table looking at a problem that you may have, you'll let me mm-hmm. know. And determining, okay, do you have an issue? Do you want to solve that issue? Mm-hmm. Do you want to solve that issue right now? And then and only then should we talk about maybe it makes sense to solve it with me. You let me know. Okay. And I can tell you how we can do that. Right. So it's guiding you through the psychological buying process that we go through when we buy anything, whether it's, you know, whether it's a piece of pizza or it's a technology product. We always go through those four psychological steps. So if I can sell and I can align with that and take you with me on the first, it's not about my product. It's about you have an issue. Yeah. Do you want to solve it? Yeah. Do you want to solve it right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe we can help. Do you want to hear? Right. So it's this idea of when I dance, there's this lean in, lean out, lean in, lean out. So it's, and and by the way, it's in rhythm. Yeah. So you're playing the rhythm, right? It's not, you know, you don't want to just go out and have the break off G right. It's not a a break dance thing, right? This is not a a break off this. We're dancing together. It's not a battle. If there's a no that's somewhere in there, it's good to know about it now. Get it early. No is not a bad thing. No. Following a process like that where you're able to push back professionally is uncovering the no that's there no matter what. Right? So if somebody, you know, hey, do you have an issue? Like, well, yeah, we have an issue. Do you want to solve it? Well, yeah, we want to solve it. Do you want to solve it right now? Well, no. Okay. Amazing. On that. Go keep living with that issue. On that note, John, and, and you asked me this the other day. Um, you said, who's your favorite? Did you play sports? I said, yes, I played football my whole life. He said, who was your favorite coach? I said, coach, uh, Donna Tucci, who's the most winningest coach ever in MSL history, by the way. Um, and he said, why? And it hit me the second he said, why? And I said, because he punched me in the chest one day when I was late to football camp. It wasn't about the punch. It was everything else that he committed to me that justified that punch. That was my favorite coach ever coming to club colors someone else who's become a favorite leader for me adam stowe our college division manager you don't want to get punched by him he does a lot of push-ups he yeah, won't ever like punch <laughs> he won't punch anybody. right yeah <laughs> he lives by you get farther with sugar right mm-hmm. now i know that the punch was probably just better for my personal psychology and what i would respond to but i know that the way that he's mentored me over the past two years that has also worked very well so how do you find that balance? Is there a balance when you're managing people, when you're allow, helping them through um, and mentoring them through their careers? How do you find that balance? Yeah, well, first thing I'll say is sugar is an ingredient in hot sauce, you know? <laughs> so, and, and what I mean by that is that everybody has a way that they like to be interacted with. And it actually comes, to, I'm going to go back to psychology again. It actually comes down to the fact that the way that you interact and interpret messages from a communication standpoint is actually developed in the brain between ages zero and three. Mm -hmm. That is how you figure out how you're going to interact with the world and how you're going to receive and send messages. So your communication style is established then, and it doesn't change. And as you grow and you have experiences, you can amend that or you can alter it to fit in. But at the end of the day, in times of high emotion, people go back to that psychological state that they cannot change from. When I'm very, very happy, I go to what I first started when I was zero to three, right? The way that I react when I am happy, the way that I react when I am sad, the way I react when I am frustrated. So everybody has this core way that they want to be communicated with. The best leaders in the world don't try to guess what that is. They ask. Like if I were your leader and you told me 
that story, like first thing I would say to you is like probably the question you got asked, which was like, who is your favorite coach ever? This person, why? Well, because they punch me. What about that and why? And be like, so I'm your leader and I want to punch you like that, right? How do I do that to help you feel like we can communicate properly? How do I do that to make you feel like you are motivated? How do I be a light in your life and help you in your career? And do I have permission from you to care about you personally so that I can challenge you directly when I have to, right? It's the concept of radical candor. If you show your people you care about them personally, you can challenge them. You can punch them when you have to. But if you didn't know that coach or you didn't like him or he didn't connect with you and you came to practice one day and he like punched you, you'd be like, what the, like, what, right? Or if somebody at, an, at another job who you had never met treated you the same way, totally different reaction. But it's because that coach cared about you personally and you knew it, mm-hmm. right? So when he had to challenge you directly, he had earned the right to do it. So you have to find the way to show your people that you care about them by digging deep so that when you have to challenge them, it comes down to thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having the hard conversation because other people don't know me well enough to do it. Leadership's you know, a hard game. You know, that, in his defense, I had football pads on full disclosure. <laughs> um, Who is this man? First off, the answer is absolutely <laughs> splendid. It's fantastic because um, uh, what I loved about it the most is you have to ask permission. To um, and permission means that I'm I'm essentially getting to understand what it is your driver, what's that greater purpose for you, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind you on a regular basis that you have that driver, and when you're not driving towards it, I have your permission to kind of give you a little little nudge to get there. To your point, though, G, that point in your life you needed that leader at that moment in that time in your maturation in your life to punch you in the chest because of what your maturity level was. And where you were in your ego, where you were in your self-belief, where you were in your stature at on that team, right? So that coach knew at that point in your life that that was probably what you needed. Adam knows about you that you are very, very self-disciplined. You are systematized. You've got a strategy. You want to win. He understands that you are beating yourself up for the greater good more than anyone else could. So if anything, he is under coming to the understanding that if he's got to do anything for you, he's got to release the pressure valve a little bit and give you a little sweetness because that's where you have matured to in your life. And that goes back to understanding a client as well, because really, at the end of the day, management, I hate to say it, is just really effective sales. Yeah, well, yeah. It's really, really effective sales, hopefully with a little bit more strategy to the greater good of the organization other than just driving revenue and so on. Um, You know, there's kind of a bigger, bigger picture when you're in management than there is not to make one greater than the other. But there is a there is a different feel to it. Right. Whereas sales, you can relate to because in sales, you're really just trying to move somebody to that next level in in their process. You're not going to try and sell a product or service just to make your commission. If you are, you're in the wrong profession and you probably got the wrong purpose, but you're trying to move the needle for somebody, which means some clients need the way you frame, you're going to frame it professionally, but some clients need to be given a little bit of sugar. Some need a punch in the chest. Sometimes I will tell you the, the folks that I remember the most that have sold to me or coached me were the ones who punched me in the chest. Cause I have a tendency to get too far out ahead of my skis and think I have the right answer. And I find out later I didn't. So I needed that person in that moment to kind of hit me right in the chest and, and wake me up. Um, the people who give me too much sugar, I, I, I have a tendency to go like, well, I knew that. Right. But I'm kind of, I'm just kind of a knucklehead in that way. But I say that to them and then I go home and go, I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, what, so, you're, what you're hitting on, I actually think is another thing about strong leaders is not being afraid to make a mistake loudly, you know, like there's this idea, especially newer leaders who are like, I'm a leader. I need to be professional. I can't make mistakes. I can't be wrong because if I'm wrong, my people lose faith in me, but that's not how humans see the world. That's not how humans interact. In fact, when you see somebody trip, what do you want to do? Walk over and say, Oh my God, are you okay? And help them. Right. You don't see somebody trip and go, wow. Ha-ha! About time. I didn't trip. Right. You know, so and it's and it's that natural where it's like if you know if you're carrying something that's wobbly, people run over because they want to help you. They mm-hmm. don't initially think you're not strong enough. They go, whoa, whoa, let me help you. You good? And then you say, Yeah, my God, thank you for helping me. Now there's a relationship there. So you use that as a leader to say, like, look, I'm I'm a leader, I'm not gonna get everything right. I'm going to make mistakes. Your job is not to try and tell me when I make a mistake because that's really intimidating too. Like leaders who say like, yeah, give me feedback. 
feedback. Like, mm-hmm. don't put your people in that trap. No. Being like, tell tell me what I'm doing wrong. By the way, I control your career. Why not just go, do yeah. you like me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, people you, will say, no, you're fine. You're yeah, perfect. You're fine. I love you. Yeah. You're great. And then I talk about you behind your back. Right? Exactly. But it's that idea of self-awareness of when I make a mistake, I'm going to let you know. I've made so many leadership mistakes. And early on in my career, I didn't realize that it was safe, especially as a woman in tech and a female leader. I felt like I needed to have the professionalism of two titles higher than mine just to get any respect. Yeah. And it was like the minute I make a mistake, I'm starting at ground zero. That's what it felt like. And I turned a lot of people off that way because it was Christina's arrogant, Christina railroads, Christina's never wrong. Like it's her way or the highway. And I'm sitting at home, like, you know, with my five cats, like, that's not how I am. <laughs> you know? Yeah. To be a nice person. I'm, I'm nice. I'm, nice. <laughs> I, I'm wrong, maybe, you know? And so then I learned being like, it's a superpower to be able to say, yo, I screwed that up. I'm so sorry. You were right. I'm going to be better next time. Like, it's okay to and do And have that. agility. Yeah. This is like, you know, I don't like talking politics, but this is the thing I've always hated about politicians, right? They like have this thing and they run on that and they're going to implement that thing in. They implement the thing and it totally backfires and then they stay on it. They stood because yeah, right the, the base needs to like yeah. what? No, it didn't work. Change it. Right. This is why I love business versus politics yeah. because effective leaders make a decision. And yes, somebody has to call the shot at the end of the day. And, and effective leaders make a lot of decisions and they make a lot of decisions that are data focused, but they, at some point they have to make them fairly quick. And guess what? The best leaders recognize that that decision isn't working. Yeah. They get more information and they adjust. And then they might go to somebody and go, hey, look, I know you had that idea first. I apologize. I made the final call, but now we're going to go with this one. Yeah. That's who I, that, those are the folks that I can rally around because nobody makes the one decision. Like you could make a decision and you want to tell me that it doesn't continue to modify and change. So even though the decision that you made is the final it's still changing as you progress. It's going to keep changing and modifying yeah. uh, in order to be effective, right? It's one of my favorite topics to talk about is agility versus absorption. Do you know when you have to avoid a punch or take one, mm-hmm. right? It's like yeah. you're going to guess wrong sometimes. And as long as you learn from that, the next time you'll either dunk or say, okay, wait, punch me here. Like I can take yeah. it. Like, punch me right here. Yeah. So, yeah. Do the right yeah. thing even when it hurts. That's yeah. one of our, one of our core values. Right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm curious as to... Uh, kind of the next steps. What are you seeing happening? Uh, well, you know what? Let's let's talk about this. Chief strategy officer. Okay, so you're in it on everything. You're in it. I mean, you are in. You're you're touching base with everybody because everybody's got to be running in unison with the greater strategy of the organization. So somebody in a role right now is looking at that as their target future role. Okay. Somebody's looking at that, right? That's a cool, it's a cool role, right? You're, you're in it with everything. So what are some of the trials and tribulations? What are some of the absolute glorious moments? And what two nuggets of advice would you give to somebody who maybe is on the precipice of getting to that point, how they can get to that point? Some of the frustrating moments are, it's introspective for me to have to be maniacally aware of what I'm good at. And then also what I'm really, really bad at. Um, And in this role, I've had to do that more than any other. So I've learned I'm a very, very high level person. I'm good at a 10,000 foot view. I can manage a lot of things all at once and really keep my eye on it. But if it's like dig into that spreadsheet and go through line by line, I'm like, no, Mm. don't want to do that. Also not good at it. Going to miss something. Um, But in this role, I have to be able to do both. So the hard times are when it's like, I have this great big picture idea. Here's how I want to build it. Here's my business plan. And they're like, great. What about this, 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 and this? It's like, I start to feel the frustration. I'm like, uh, the intricacy takes time. Uh, Right. And for me, I'm, I'm inherently professionally impatient. Yes. My great quality. Yeah. Very much an internal struggle. (laughs) Woo. My impatience (laughs) tortures me and like probably my whole family. Um, but it it shows up in all of the great ways here and then all of the terrible ways yeah. as well. So that's been kind of some of the downs where my impatience has actually impacted my happiness because I can't always move as fast as I want to. The answer for what's been great, flip side, same thing, right? Where it's like I've also learned to say like I'm impatient and I can and I will move fast. 
I, I have always wanted to move fast, but now I have the skill to do it too. That's been a lot of fun. And that feels like a win, right? When we say we're missing this big thing that I think VPs of sales would find really, really valuable. And I go, give me a week. And I build it and then yeah. they get their hands on it and they go, this is awesome. And I was like, yes. Right. And it's that good yeah. feeling of like, I did it. And then, you know, my CEO was like, go do it again. And I'm like, no, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted I, from that can one. Can I keep doing my victory lap for a minute? Like I didn't even like do the donut in the middle of the field yet. <laughs> right. And it's like, and I feel like every member of our executive team has to feel like that. Cause all of us have these moments of brilliance and yeah. we do it. And then we're like, go do it again. Right. And they're like, ah, you know, so that's like kind of the, the high and low and, and really what's next for us is just continuing to to do something that's never been done before. And honestly, how much we pack and how much value we pack into what we offer for members, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm using my experience as a former executive in tech and thinking through what, what did I not want? have? What would I want? And what could I not afford? Like when was I having to decide between hiring a person, improving my product or spending on marketing? And how do I take those decisions away? Like, what did I wish I had? And going to build that. Wow, what a really cool. So you're just reverse engineering. Yeah. Just taking a problem and dissecting it and then yeah. building, bolting that into your process. And how do I build that Very cool. at scale? Yes, Without at scale. having to hire 100 people yeah, yeah. to support it. Wow. And my impatience comes in in good and bad in those ways. So, so piece of advice. What's the advice that you would give to somebody that um, is maybe, you know, on their way? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of advice. What I say a lot to folks is always keep in mind what your stairs are made out of as you kind of climb up the corporate ladder. Are your stairs made out of people who are lifting you up and you are lifting them up? Are your stairs made of people that you are walking over to get mm. where you're going and ideas that you are stealing in bad moments? So it's like as you're navigating your career, what are those stairs made out of? Um, and making sure that, again, you are doing things. You mentioned integrity. Like that's that's the biggest thing. Um, and the other thing that I want to say, and this may be a little bit taboo, but especially if you are, um, if you are a woman or you identify as female or you are a BIPOC or you are any marginalized mm -hmm. person, uh, it's okay to want the title. It's okay to want to advance your career. It's okay to want to feel like you mean something in whatever way that looks like. So never let somebody tell you, oh, your title's not important. It, sometimes it is sometimes for marginalized folks, the title leads the respect. And until that yeah. changes, it's okay to want it. Yeah. It's almost like, um, I kind of have this thought process that if you treat somebody, if you treat somebody like how you would like them to achieve or be, yeah. they'll rise to that occasion. Yeah. For instance, my mom used to always tell me like, kill them with kindness. Yeah. Right. It's the best, like have a, like, if you want to tell somebody F off, like, have a great day, oh, really right? I mean, like a that can work. So I, it's a weird analogy, but point being is to your point, like people need a title sometimes to go, I am this. Yeah. And then it's up to us at that point, once they have that title to get them to realize that it's not the title that makes them that yeah. it's them. Yeah. It's their, their qualities, their skill sets, their abilities. The title is just a thing, just but you thing. needed that to feel and it kind of goes back to that thing, like leadership is not a title, right? right. Leadership's actions. Right. 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 Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting sort of chicken or the egg. So, so Deborah Senra, she's the, the head of sales and CS at three flow. She said something that was really meaningful. And she said for marginalized folks, especially in tech, in order to get the respect that you want today, you often have to have the title two tiers above you. Yep. And to your point, then it's like the confidence follows that title. And then you start to realize, okay, now I'm actually doing the become work. Become the I'm, role. I'm becoming the role. Right. Um, and so it's, you know, the, the advice there is like, it's depending on who you are and what your experience looks like, whatever you have to do to become the role that you want, do that and Can't, don't feel bad about it. Cannot wait for the time in humanity where that is no longer a conversation. It will be <laughs> fantastic. Dream, right? It's, it's, I, you know what? Yeah. Um, everything's a dream until it becomes reality, right? It all starts with that. But I think that we are moving towards that as a plan and, and, you know, dreams don't become realities without a plan. So I think that there's a plan in place, right? I think it's really important. So um, I want to wrap up with, give us one really phenomenal thing about sales assembly. You haven't said yet that people listening to this absolutely have to know they need to know, and then leave us with your favorite quote, inspirational term, make something up, 
You clearly can do that because you've been fantastic. So what is the best thing about sales assembly that we all need to know? And everyone needs to stop, drop, and follow Christina Brady on LinkedIn and all social. Follow Sales Assembly and the team. Go on LinkedIn and look at all the people that work there and then follow all of them as well. And you just get little nuggets of information and knowledge. And you're going to get, you know, potentially an opportunity at some point to work with them or maybe work for them. So what do we need to know? First thing that I would say is at, at Sales Assembly, if you are working professionally in B2B or B2C tech, there is a place here where you can get exactly what you need to achieve the dreams that you have in a professional place. The the techniques, the training, the people, the mentorship, the sponsorship, um, this is a place where it all exists and there's not a lot of those that are truly non-fluffy and have good integrity behind them. Um, if I'm going to leave you with any wisdom, it's if you're going to make a mark in anybody's life, um, don't be their ceiling, be their soil. And if you are in a time right now where you're surrounded by darkness you just might be planted and look at it that way. That is fantastic. You'll love our little thing here. Opportunity grows from the roots of adversity. See, right? So We've got, we're in sync. We're doing the dance. We're doing it. Christina Brady, you were on a TikTok. And now you've been in studio and we're going to take pictures and we've got a gift for you that we're going to give you. And by the way, you've been in the club. Thank you so much, Christina Brady, for coming out today. We really appreciate it. Gee, you know I love you. And by the way, Sales Assembly, thank you for loaning us your fantastic chief strategy officer for an hour here and that she was able to come out and enjoy. Was it worth the drive? Was it worth coming out? It was so worth the drive. Schaumburg's a beautiful town. There you go. Enough said. Hey, by the way, check us out, www.clubcolors.com. Check us out on all of our social. If you're looking for anything logoed to bring your brand to the next level and create awareness and attention for your brand, got you covered. Cheers. Ah, yes. In the Club, powered by Club Colors, is proud to be sponsored by Fossa Apparel. All guests on In the Club will receive a gift from Fossa Apparel. Check them out at FossaApparel.com.